Can anybody describe boredom? When your mind is looking for, for entertainment. When your mind is quiet and you think it shouldn't be. There's not a comfortable quiet mind. Yeah, it's like not a comfortable quiet. It's oh. like, there should be something here. This is yeah, not something's missing. Something's, something's missing. missing. Yeah, this is how I would describe it. But the agitation something's comes missing. from after. The boredom is just the coming to nothing to do or just yeah, so missing. boring. Uh, uh, is that a, like a continuous kind of state for a bit or is it kind of waves or something? How is it feeling? It's waves, like, and then I find something to do, and then it goes away, and then I get bored of that thing to do. And I'm thinking of one particular person now who is in Sarsan. Yeah. But yeah, until recently, I don't know. Because when she's here for a while, then she melts nicely into herself again, and she seems to be fine. But there's a lot of resistance comes just before coming here. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. and. You know, I feel like I'm not doing anything with my life, and you know, it's like a particular feature in her life. I don't know if it's boredom is the right um, description, but a kind of restlessness that you need to be doing something with your life or something, this type of thing. And so she's never settled. For a while, a bit engaged, and then have to give it up and to pursue something else, but never really settled, never really dependable in, a, in that settledness, you know. So, I just wondered, you just came up to ask this question, you know, how often do people experience states of boredom, what it means, and do you bring it into the, into the field of inquiry and look at it, and what is the result when you look at things? Can I ask also then, how many people actually um, employ inquiry. I, I try, but when I'm in a state of boredom, like, and I'm not with you, when I'm with you, it's very different. But on my own, then the state of boredom, I'm bored of inquiry. I find it boring, and then I'm trying. So you see, so that 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 is what I call unsuccessful inquiry because it's like reacting to a mental state about the inquiry mm. rather than the inquiry itself. Because if I could really convey um, and really get you on board with the inquiry, really as it is, you would really so value and know that that is really your own your own spiritual mirror that you look to to really check in on yourself, you know. Because it's so effective, you know. I, I know that when we talk and to try and explain things, it can feel more difficult and. From my point of view, like with the retreat, when we started, it can seem very mental, very complex, because the mind is in that type of region a lot. And so you cannot speak to it simply. It's like the more simple things, you're not yet there to really um, uh, assimilate uh, simplicity, respond to simplicity. It's like the mind is going through many complex shapes. And this is spread out in every different aspects of life. It's like we're meeting the life with very complex attention, very complex uh, state of being. And it takes a while, that's why I say there's a period of time when there is a sort of like a slow meltdown, a kind of like a thawing out, you know, you see, like a defrosting, where slowly, slowly the attention is becoming more into kind of like heart energy. When it comes more on into a heart energy, the it's easier to communicate because there's not so much resistance, there's not so much person. The more person there is in you, the more fight there is, the more this and thatness and this is right and that. You see, there's a lot of noise around that. But as as the attention comes back again into the heart, your your heart, natural heart, then communication is not so erratic. It's not so agitated. It's like you assimilate things, understand things much more easily. You're not so much in a, in a sort of like, a, what you may say, reactionary states. There's more space in you. So when things are spoken, you're not so quick to, to respond. 
because quite often there's a lot of quickness to respond based upon a kind of protectiveness because sometimes you feel you know like you know you don't want people to perceive you wrongly so you're so quick to you know so all of these tendencies they're calming down opening up and there's more space then as the attention gets more acquainted with the heart a different uh, flow of energy is present much more gentle natural confidence natural rest and uh, all of this and a natural feeling that but I know this then later it continues again sometimes it goes through an emotional uh, layer for a while and people feel very emotional full of love and then sometimes they want to tell you their real story but that's still an aspect of mind then it becomes again even more down becomes more cool and more space less person so there is a different stages of the mind more than of the being as the mind flo floats down into the ocean of of just being and then it doesn't keep its shape it just melts out into into being that being as you see yeah you said in satsang in these days about how the mind it's like the sliding scale mm. from i'm the body to i'm the being mm. it's all mine mm. you hang out somewhere on that sliding bar and that really struck me you know but i think sometimes when the inquiry isn't working it's because we're trying to find that state on the mental scale where we thought we had oneness, you know, but it was really still a mental thing. And so it doesn't work. Because it's all, it's a, the premise of the whole thing is, is wrong. I'd like to, to really help or to guide you into that place where the inquiry never fails any more than a mirror can fail to reflect your your image. The idea that, well, when the, then when the inquiry doesn't work for me, that itself is uh, some misunderstanding is there. Because it never not works. When I speak about the mirror, like the mirror doesn't work, it just reflects. And there is something in the inquiry, of course, we're using mind, sometimes coming from the place of identity. So initially it feels very difficult because in, in a sense you're fighting with your own mind to understand something which is beyond the mind. Hi, isn't it like, like, like you were just describing a, like a process that we go through like when we come to be with you that like we're all very mental and then you take us to the heart and then, and then like through this then when we're in heart energy, inquiry is, is a lot easier, it's a lot more natural. Yeah. There's no problem. So my problem is when I'm not with you and I'm in this mental state and it's in there and then that's when I, I have... With successful inquiry, if really you register your seeing, I mean, I really uh, not just have the, 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 the experience of seeing as a kind of an experience that passes, but a seeing which has got nothing to do with time. It's got nothing to do with time or mood. It's like something which is there in spite of, like the sky is always there, in spite of whether it's really full of clouds, or if it's really blue, or if there's thunder and lightning, or if it's raining or snowing. The sky is always the sky. You see? And our self is always self. But what happens is we're paying attention to the clouds and the, the lightning and the rainbow. And you're telling that aspect of yourself, which is the transient aspect of ourself. And our attention is looking at that because our interpreting and perceiving of those movements gives us a sense of a private life of the, you know this but this is what's happening in my world or whatever and uh, it's like no one is acknowledging 
the sky. It's always the story of the sky. The story of the sky is this morning it was really, really beautiful. And then these clouds came from nowhere. And then before you could know it was like pff, lightning and thunder and people go, wow, no, really? Like like that is like that is like wow, how disappointing. But the sky has been doing that for for untold time. It's the nature of the sky to be like that. And can you imagine someone saying, like, I really just would just like to have no more of those kind of clouds. And, you know, I would just like to just get it so my life is only rainbows. And then you would sort of see just how ludicrous that is, that it's based completely on misunderstanding and a kind of fantasy. The point is, let the sky be, do what it does. It's the nature of the sky to, at the level of clouds, which are only the momentary effects in the sky. But the sky is all-encompassing. It includes the clouds, but the clouds are kind of momentary. They're, they're moving. But the sky, what we call sky, is not the movement, but it, it in, encompasses the movement. But you cannot look to the, to the movement as the essence of the sky. The sky is all of it. Rainy days, cloud, lightning, thunder, summer days, all of that is sky. So you're not really looking. We're looking at our life like it's a verb. Whereas this, the, the sky is like a, a noun, in a sense. It's like, it's, it's here. But we're looking at the movement that happens through it. Like somehow you can fix that. You can't fix this, you can't keep this. The only way you can keep it is with memory which is to take a photograph of a cloud and to store it as though it is a living truth. So understanding is allowing what nature is doing by itself and included in the play of nature is the play of personality, is also a cloud. And it just needs to be seen because we think that the personality is really the one who is watching the cloud and enjoying the sky. But that's also an aspect of sky. But this is very difficult to, to admit and to see because this sense of the one seeing is not like the regular thoughts that which are passing because it is so close to the feeling of being, to the I am, that it's, it, it's almost never seen as a thought. It's not only a thought. It's like thought and being. But the side of this thought and being relationship, which is the most noisy, is the thought side. I don't know if you follow what I said. The being side is just the, the eyes, the sight that looks and sees, but not personally. When that is seen, then the feeling of person can be there, can be enjoyed. But it loses the power to plunge the attention into mm, hypnosis. That's all that needs to happen. You stop being hypnotized by your own projections. And once that once that is over, once that clears, then the world becomes clean, in a sense. It is clean anyway, but it was kind of dirtied through the kind of personal projection that wants to give it a particular reading, a particular personal reading, which it, it can feel like that in the mind, in the heart, but it's not the truth. It's just a local truth. It's a relative truth. It's a personal truth. There's no movement, there's no quality, there's no phenomenon that can happen which cannot be put in the inquiry, which cannot be you know, exposed through inquiry. But it does take some time for the mind to really um, understand and embrace the inquiry. It does take some time.
the inquiry was like very strong up until like three weeks ago and now it's maybe two or three weeks ago and now it seems like very cloudy and it's, it's like I lost the but can I ask you something? Like this, I say, let, let's take for instance what you've just said, okay? Let's start there. That's just what you said. You say the inquiry was strong up until about three weeks ago, and then it became really cloudy, right? But you're the one who perceived the cloudiness. Inquiry is not an object, it's not like a tool, like a like a you know like a, a telescope or something that you look at it's a kind of more like a psychic tool but more important than the tool is the user of the tool is that the, the user of the tool is trying to look through the telescope to see itself You're aware of the, the sense of cloudiness, but something so believes in recognizing something phenomenally, then because you, I want you to listen to this, because you believe somewhere in your mind that you're going to recognize something phenomenally, then the state of cloudiness became real for you. You understand? Because you believe there's something to see, then cloudiness became real for you. But if there was nothing phenomenal to see, what, what effect is cloudiness has it to do with anything? This is so, this is really uh, a fundamental uh, insight. If you think there is something to see, then immediately there comes a possibility that something can block your seeing. But if your seeing is to do with understanding who you are, which means that you don't have to go outside of your skin to look at something, then what does cloudiness have to do with anything? Because you're only looking for the seer, and the seer cannot be a product as a phenomenon to recognize. The one searching for the seer is the seer. It's not how we are trained. We are trained in a sense to be logical. But if you are attached to logics, you'll miss the simplicity of the mystery of our own being. I want you to tell me, that is just too simple to, to miss. Always, uh, I cannot disprove myself. I can disprove everything else but I cannot disprove myself. I cannot say I am not here, because I will have to be here to say I am not here. I can say everything else is not here, but I cannot say I am not here. What you are searching for is only that which can never be not here. If you give that to your mind, it will go. That's where you go. Give it to your mind. That's what you do. Basically. And you just say, oh, that's just too much, but I can't really do it. Okay. If you don't give it to the mind, you'll see very clearly, because even when we use the word seeing, it immediately brings in the mind something objective. Because everything that you see is something you can, oh, I can see this vase, I can see the shadows, I can even see darkness. I can even see, I can even see nothing. You understand? But the seer of nothing, can this be seen? Who is the one who sees nothing? Give it to your mind. That's what you're going to get out of it. Then you say, okay, I'm sorry, that's just not my path. My path is a pranayama. Because I can get a result which is tangible. My mind can cope with that because that's tangible. It makes sense. 
I practice this, I get that, you know. I go to the supermarket, 10 pounds, I buy 10 pounds worth of food, I came back with, you know, okay, 5p. That's kind of logic, that makes sense. If you're trying to make sense only, then you might just miss. Somehow, sometimes also, consciousness safeguards itself from revealing the truth to, to consciousness, which is still got arrogance. You understand? Sometimes it, it reveals itself to consciousness, which has arrogance, in order to show what truth is like when it's got arrogance. And it's just uh, it's something else. I wonder if in the end the best the best um, communicator of this is the silence. Is you the know? silence. Yeah. One because has to be one has to be matured for silence. Mm -hmm. We have to be matured for silence. For most people, being in silence is kind of waiting. Waiting for something to happen. Or a bit of space of silence is there, it's come perfect background to think. <laughs> Just pull the sheet of thinking over the silence. Uh, many times we can't cope with silence in that sense. If, there, if we are we. If you are consciousness, it's very different. If you are a person, the consciousness becomes a kind of phenomenon. You see? If you are a person, consciousness, um, consciousness or silence becomes just a phenomenon. And you have to work with it, something you have to do with it. Or you have got to kind of be in it. But always that there's a duality in it. You cannot escape the duality. Because the very root of the person is, is, is based on duality. You cannot get out of duality. So silence is sometimes what we say we want when we are fed up of noise. But actually sometimes you get fed up of silence also. Mm -hmm. That's boredom though, right? You could call that, you could call that, which is also another kind of phenomenon. It's not a phenomenon that is affecting the beingness. Mm -hmm. It's only affecting the kind of person, which is a mental construct. I would like to put it like just one thing, and we don't move to the left or the right of that one thing until you really get just that one thing. Because I can be abundant with what I say. But if we can speak about one thing and get only that one thing, just one thing, one sentence, one, one thing of looked at, but really get that, and everything has become easy for you. If we're looking with the mind, that one thing, after a while, you get fed up and you want to change it for another thing. Because that's the nature of the mind. If you look at one thing, like, uh, like any point, like if you say, you know, I just really feel that like this inquiry thing is not for me. You take that one thing, we start there and just look at that one thing. And if it opens up, everything else opens up for you. Because every tree, every plant, you know, is uh, sustained by the earth at some, some level. So if you go to the earth, you start in the earth, you'll understand the nature of plants. If you start at a banyan tree, you'll only understand banyan trees. You won't understand coconut trees. If you, if you understand the earth, you'll understand all the plants. If you understand yourself in the form of the I am. Because I don't even want to say understand yourself at the place of the absolute because you won't reach that straight away. Just at the place of the I am. Just understand this. Come over and over and over again looking at it. So you go through the different states of resistance and judgment and boredom and excuses and sickness and everything that the mind will go through. Many different things just to not deal with that thing. Because from the mind's position, it's like sticking a needle in the highball. It just, no, it can't go there. That's how it feels sometimes. But you just stay with it, and you see that all of that 
is really not true. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a book or a teacher who taught about only one thing? Just this. There's a pull for awakening. You want to know who you are? Okay, come. Just, just this thing. Nothing more. I don't know if there is something equivalent to this in the in the manifest world. It is like in India you have this concept like one medicine for everything. You talk about the Tulsi plant, no? You need a spiritual Tulsi plant for your mind. One medicine for everything can you come to this point. This is what this is what this is what kind of excites me here. Because over the years I think what has happened through all the YouTube and stuff, we've expounded so many things about different aspects of human the human experience and how to get out of things. It's always pointing to the same thing. But I just feel what is the simplest thing you can do? Simplest. It feels in a sense, if I'm honest now about it, in my seeing, it's not so much that I can teach something like in one sentence teach the truth. It's not that. But more I feel to to spend time real time together. Because life is like that. You know, in some cases maybe it's just something you say and the mind needed somehow just to break to kind of to find a combination of the mind and somehow click and click 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 and click and it drops maybe something like this but in many cases I think uh, the satsang is really what it said is to associate with the truth to be in the company somehow because sometimes just as you are moving something is dissolving just in the in that space but you know what I like having said all this stuff just throw it all away I like that too mm -hmm. just throw it throw it away and, 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 and what remains let's start fresh again throw everything away including the, the very identity that you have sweep away and what remain. Yeah. That doesn't have any attachment to past, to parents, to any incident in memory. It has nothing to do with this. And I'd really like to hear from someone who speaks from this place freshly. They speak something that doesn't come from the past. Because it's not true. This is why I was saying to someone, you're cheating, isn't it? I said, speak to me from now. And they said, well, actually, what tends to happen is, no, that's cheating. You're not speaking from now. You're picking up something from the past. It's not true. And if I were to say to you, don't touch past, okay? And don't go to any concept of future. Address me from the. Address life or address me from just what is here. It has nothing to do with inheritance. Then have I placed you in, a, in an uncomfortable position? Is that normal? It's very subtle. It's very subtle. 
It's not even that I really want you to say something, but if you want, if something was going to come from you, what could it possibly be? Spontaneous. Huh? Only spontaneous, I could say. Yeah, something can be spontaneously nothing also. It doesn't have to be spontaneously something. It just feels like, like emptiness. For how long? How long is this emptiness? Can you take your attention and do something else? Not necessarily. This is very good. Not necessarily. I say, how long is this attention? You know? Or how long, I didn't say how long is the, is the attention. I said, how long is the silence? <coughs> how long is that space? And you said, until the attention goes somewhere else. And I said, not necessarily. One participant said, no, that uh, all these years, someone has been coming also, I've known for a few years, uh, saying the same thing and only heard it now. I only heard it here now. So what prevents us from hearing something which is very simple? And you can be told many, many times. What that, what that says to me is that actually in life you might be collecting a lot of information, a lot, of, but you, you don't know it here. You might hear many things. You might even... And, engage in conversations, have very strong points of view, get into fights about your points of view, but you've never really heard it or understood it here. Just stuff here. Because I know that for myself, I don't have a hundred things to talk about. I don't have the interest in all of that. So it's concentrated only around this subject. And I can talk about it in different ways, but it's always the same subject. And also, um, there, is, there is a need or an impulse to get to the point. I like that. So when I said in satsang that the least important factor of the relationship I have with anybody is their story. So it really confronts something inside us that seems to be fundamental. That Who are you without your story? And is it anything that's worth liking or loving without the story? Because if we are searching to advertise ourselves through our story, to get acceptance, understanding, familiarity, or whatever it is. Uh, will we come to a point where you see through that the story is nothing at all? We really admit it. Or is it that you cannot comprehend a life without the context of your memory and story or whatever it is? So therefore, when I say, um, don't go to the past, is there a way we can be here together without you referring to the past? And sometimes we have the sense, you don't know how to do that. We don't know how to be without the past. Like, what would you have to do? And I say, well, you don't have to do anything at all. If you don't, just don't go. Just be aware, even, and in fact, perhaps asking this question for the first time, there would be no expectations at all, because it's naturally, naturally uh, arising out of this kind of conversation, uh, there would be some confusion or some noise might come. But to allow the space for that to happen, because that's also something important. Sometimes it's important to come to really a lot of confusion. Would you, would you, can you see through that? Can you see that? That is a place to come that uh, experiencing tremendous um, confusion and turmoil and helplessness can be uh, a progressive point inside your own journey of looking. Because one person say, like last year I was with you on a retreat and it was a lot more successful. I felt really 
more you know more bliss and just more space and so and here today in this uh, satsang I'm very much struggling so in the mind says but you know you're not even as good as you were last year you're going backwards and if you purchase this thought then it will bring in a lot of disappointment a lot of frustration but can you see that somehow sometimes noise coming up or frustration coming up if you don't identify with it it's just another opportunity of seeing from your true place and in the truth there's never a moment when you're more like you or less like you except in in the dreaming in our dreaming uh, states and the thing is that we feel uh, true conditioning that you only dream when you go to sleep nobody ever considers that you might be dreaming while you're awake it's like saying i draw a circle here and you stay in the circle at least with one foot you never leave you can you can have one foot out but you must always have one foot in okay and i'm going to be throwing some balls at you sometimes you have to stretch but you should never you must always have one foot in the circle and can you do that or not we'll throw you some some things and you'll catch them and you go but you'll always you can do it or not of course you can do it isn't it you can do it uh, the, the capabilities there to be aware that okay I know where that is but still I'm doing this so you, simultaneously uh, two things are happening in the same way that I say you can do anything at all move with people and still remain in your consciousness isn't it but if you have the uh, the sense that you cannot do it then you already cancel an opportunity of seeing it all the time you if you have the feeling that if i am like people say i'm fine when i'm on my own in my room but the minute i see other people i i get pulled out of myself i said but it's not necessarily true but if you believe this what a tremendous concept to take on that you believed such a thing like this is like you're screwed basically if you say this that the minute i see someone or i read a book or i watch some program like that is enough to pull me out of myself i said it's not true but what a what a costly concept to to believe isn't it well, doesn't it point to the fact that person who doesn't really know what their self is they never really they don't know yeah. people that yes 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 but then you stand le- less chance even because you already made a conclusion that effectively closes a door that's like addressing that you get pulled out of it is not the thing to address the thing to address is that maybe they really never saw mm. yes Yes, I'm not. I'm not consciously aware of um, what is referred to as myself. Or something. On that sliding scale, we think we know. We go into that mental place of oneness, and it's a feeling or something like this. And then we identify that as this thing that you're always talking about. Oh, so that I can get there. But it's really missed the whole point. Mm. You know. Which is that this thing that you're pointing to isn't something. And there's yeah. an answer to yeah. How do we get that? Include yourself in this question. How do we get that? I mean, how is it possible to get something which you cannot see? Get you mean understand? Yeah, understand, comprehend effectively. By doing nothing, you know. You can't do anything to do it. Well, first of all, it, is it a possibility in your heart or not? To do nothing? No, not to do nothing, but somehow that through words spoken, as we do, uh, is sufficient to actually trigger a, a recognition inside that is non-phenomenal, has nothing to do with something you can see or measure. Like you say, it cannot be anywhere, any point, or even including any of the extremes of that sliding bar of the eye potential. Not, not even that. So it's not on that. 
So beyond that, the, the weakness of this. So how, how do you get that, that point being made? How do you get it? Is it possible or not? Yeah. So you say, yes, it's possible somehow. And it's like when, when you say that you need a needle to, to uh, remove the needle that you have had yeah. It's like that. Yes. You transcend. You somehow it works. So somehow you can, through words, go beyond words. Yes. I don't know how. Recognize. Ah, this is this is true. So you don't know how. It's intuition. Be, yes. Yeah. You don't know how. In terms of method, you don't know. In fact, there's a lot of life that we that just happens, and you don't know how. You don't know how life. Uh, you read it in textbooks, sort of thing, and we think we know how. We accept a certain um, viewpoint or something, and you embrace that and speak of that as though it is a fact. We do it actually, but how you actually, how do you actually understand something? You don't know how you understand. Thankfully, you don't have to prove that. You see, to someone else. You just have to know that, but I understand, so. That's one of the great kindnesses of life. That I don't have to prove to you that I understand. But if you understand somehow, uh, something is inside you, some, something changes that maybe cannot be measured in a, in a test tube, but you have other ways of measuring, of knowing that. You don't have to know how it works. And this for me is really the the real gem of the kind of uh, introspections we share together. Sometimes I ask people in satsang, you have been practicing inquiry or some spiritual practice, whatever spiritual practice, they say, yeah, okay, where have you come to in your practice? Because I want to know. I've been doing something for 15 years. Okay, where have you found, what have you found in this practice? Then we can see what is left, if there's something left. And I, I feel so, it's such an important thing to ask you. With the inquiry, okay, what have you found? What is your highest attainment through the inquiry? What have you what have you really conquered through the inquiry? What have you seen? You see? And in conversations like this, uh, it's not possible everywhere to have a conversation like this. It's not possible. There has to be some inner openness. There has to be a certain amount of uh, maturity. There has to be. Otherwise, there is no attraction, there is no pull to, to take this question. So your mind will actually go to the, to the level that is most comfortable to function at. And whether it's football or you know, the lottery or whatever it is, uh, it will go there more easily. So if we can speak about these things at some length, it must be that there is some uh, resonance in you for that. Maybe that resonance is fighting with other resonances that we share out amongst other things. Maybe it's just one of a number of things that you are attracted to. I don't know. But here there's nothing else um, that's worth uh, looking at uh, this deeply. That really pushes you beyond your comfort zone in terms of what you because you can live like this you can live without really um, going very deep you can live anywhere in the, in the world actually without going very deep in yourself because we transact at a very shallow level the human interaction but to to really bring your conversation so your 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 attention your comprehension has come so fine to a point where, you know, it's all in this space, the looking, 
has come down to this. That's not narrow-mindedness. It's just a kind of focus. Narrow-mindedness is going like this all the time. No, I'm talking about coming like this, coming to a point. Where can we come? Can we come to a place uh, where there's not any future for words at the psychological level? Can you come to this place? That you really use words at their, their highest potential of words is to do what? Obviously, you cannot just be to gossip or to you know write some fantasy. The, the highest potential of a language must be for something. I want to say to convey this, but it's not even that, just to be living this. It has to be to come to recognition of what, where, of where the words cannot go any further. The words must, at some point, take you to uh, take your attention back to a place beyond which words cannot go anymore. Because words came after you, not before you. So they must take you back to a place to where you were before words came. Is it naive to say that you want to let the words go into your heart and let them do? They do that automatically. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to convey, because sometimes we think we have to do work, which the universe is already doing for free. Sometimes we're thinking in our mind, you know, like I've got to try and see if I can make those words go into my heart or something. But uh, that's just extra work that nobody gave you. It's enough that if you're attracted to something, you're stimulated by it, it goes directly into your heart anyway. No, no extra uh, help is needed. If there's an aspiration for, for something, like you really want to find out something, then if that comes to you, then that aspiration must fall away and be replaced by contentment no? or satisfaction. And you know, I've got to admit to you something, actually. I cannot even be serious about this anymore. You know, it, it's funny like this. Like now, uh, it's like I cannot even be serious about it. I used to take it more seriously. Like, you know, guys, you've got to get this. <laughs> Sometimes I even say, you know, you really got to get this. But it doesn't seem to have such a deep impact on me anymore. It's just like pastime, the talk, is that my, my greatest pleasure is to be sitting uh, with you and have your attention at the level that we can look. And whatever comes of that, let's see, come out of it. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a mission, you know? It was never really like a mission. You know? it, it, se it seems like it sometimes. Seems like it. Yeah. yeah it's, just part of, it's just part of the play. You know? Well, actually, um, it, yeah, it's it's sometimes serious, I have to say, because uh, it's got a, it's got some vested interest, I guess. Because the more I can find affinity with people looking this way, the the, the more I have uh, good company. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. That's true. Uh, it's true That's because true. Uh, you are also finding it. That the more you go into yourself, you find less company yeah. uh, amongst uh, people who, even though you love them, but you see that wait a minute. I mean, I mean, we're still at a level of a kind of fish and chips consciousness. That's where we can live at this level for quite a long time, and then it won't be able to sustain any meaningful uh, communion with you. You, you start to feel like you're starving in your, in your being. So no wonder maybe people are afraid to, 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 lose, uh, to lose out on, on the, the abundance of uh, the mundane. Because you can't run out of friends, I mean, you know. There's so much on that level, you can keep going. But the minute you begin to dive deep, 
you begin to feel the singularity of your being. And can you bear it? Is it? Or is there such a strong uh, intention or urge to be in the community of the mundane that this is not enough of an attraction or something? I don't know. I'll find that one out soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> and is it a sadness? Uh, when you when you say return to uh, familiar territory to some degree and you're unable to really relate uh, from the heart in that way because it's not that you're going to go to the world and relate to the world from the heart but they're only relating from the head because you, you can't do it but if you're less of a, if you're less of a person in the world then it becomes easy thank you. right thank you what becomes easy? Just being in the world also. You know why it's easy? It's easy only because you don't expect anything from anybody. Yeah. Only because of that, actually. Because you don't expect someone to fulfill your yearning. And you don't care so much about what they think about you and all those things. Yes. But it's not coming from an arrogance. No. It's not coming from an arrogance, it's just that it's, it's a kind of sanity. Because if your life really depends on how people perceive you, then you're really, we're really in bondage. We're really in bondage. And, and you do see it, that someone who is hypersensitive about how others perceive them, you see that they're already in trouble. Because even the people they're talking about is not nowhere around to be seen. But they are suffering from the connection in their own mind. Even. What do you think is it that that attracts us to what you're pointing to? Like normally, it, it seems like only thing when things happen to us that totally blow our mind and we don't choose it, that then it pushes us, us towards the edge. But but like with you, it's like everyone wants to look. What what is he pointing at? And it's like as if we were wanting to go there, but in a way it's still hard. I think what happened is that at an unconscious level, uh, it is our higher aspiration. We're just not aware of it yet. And maybe somebody comes along and in that kind of space, you suddenly become aware, you know, that, mm -hmm. but there's some possibilities here that are exciting to my soul or something, you see. but. It can be explained that at an unconscious level, there's always a, a pull inside you, a potential that's uh, now less aspiring towards the, the world in a way, but there is still, maybe that can be there too, but there is still a pull towards uh, uh, spiritual truth or something. So I, I'm more wanting to agree with this because it's not like you're conscious of wanting this and go searching for it. Sometimes it seems accidental that your steps seem to, to bring you to a place. You may seem outwardly, your mind may seem outwardly not interested in anything like that, but a kind of curiosity or an accident, you know, throws you into a space and then somehow your life change in a way and can change so powerfully that it can seem to to sail by some some lives that seem to be at this for a long time. Some people, the life can change and somehow quickly. I remember a passage in the Bible that refers to this, like the the, the first shall be last and the last first or something. Sometimes people at the very end come and go to the very front somehow, you know, but. Back to the point, what is it that draws you? I can only at the moment say it must be that there's a higher wish inside and some kind of inner orientation or a vibration that's more in affinity with this, although it might take your conscious mind to recognize that. I mean, why maybe you're in a crowd of five people that seem to have a similar kind of interest, but you encounter this type of uh, opportunity and you're you're so drawn to it that you may even part company with them for a while just because you need to feed here at this place you know 
my, my larger feeling about this is that everyone is in satsang. All the beings are in satsang. But uh, it just may take a while before they become consciously, you know, like aware that, they, that there is something that they're pulled towards like this. And I remember one time I came out of my bath and uh, uh, I, I pulled the plug, no? I told you, I pulled the plug and just drying off and just somehow for some reason was noticing the bath uh, you know when you just wash you got some dirt and scum and whatever it is in the bath and it's i have a very good suction on my bath so the water leaves very fast and i'm just kind of watching it and uh, you see that at near the hole there's a kind of swirl like a you know inverted tornado or whatever and it's Everything's going there. And then further back you go towards the other end of the bath, the water is just bobbing. Mm -hmm. It's still it's still within the magnetic field, the pull of that hole. But here, if you if you only looked here, you wouldn't notice it. It's just bobbing up and down. But somehow seeing from bird's eye view of it, you know the destiny of this one. That as it comes here, it starts to take much more a directions pulling. When it comes to here, it's almost like there's nothing to do, but you, we can use language like surrender or, you know, it just has to go. And I, I saw something very universal in that dirty bath water. That somehow maybe all the beings are in this bath of life and some that's nearer to that place of absorption in the heart, the, the pull is more powerful, the magnet is more powerful. And quickly they go. And the ones in the middle, they're sensing that they're on a journey, you know, they can feel the pull, like, you know, they're moving, you know, but they don't feel as yet that chop. And then maybe a bit further on, it's still the same one water, but a bit further back, you know, it's kind of like, you know, something is going down, but it's not going there yet. And it just felt like a beautiful seeing. Like everyone is somehow on this journey, but in some lives it doesn't seem so evident. They may be going like this a bit and so on, they're going like this, but if you could look from above, they're going like this and they're going like that. They're going like this, but they're still being pulled in a direction. Uh, not by uh, local or personal choice, but just by cosmic will, everything is coming to that whole. And I was saying that sometimes we come to this place and some beings, they're kind of like this over them. <laughs> they don't want to go down that hole. Because if it's something like it's still in the mind, it's death. And I would say, look down there and see the face of Ramana or of Christ or something. And then maybe it won't be so terrifying for you. And it's nothing at the... At the, at the mind's level, it can feel terrifying, but already by the time you come to this place, you're, you're, you're in the orientation of that pool, and it's just like a deliverance, you know, it's just like a, like this, you can't wait or something. But it's just images, it's just images. I really do like uh, sometimes we speak like this, and I say just throw everything away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if I feel like the mind is building up some plaque, you know, and it's okay, throw it away. And each time you put the, the axe to the tree, they say throw it away, something is left that is just clean. Start fresh and don't build. And be in the in the ambient of that. This is fresh. And when it's like this, you can build any direction, but you never come. It's like you can reach to catch anything, but your foot never leaves this circle. And then after a while, you don't even have to look for where the circle is. It's just something you know. It, it, it's good to go to bed with this type of contemplation. Mm -hmm. Like it's good to go to bed, uh, you know, uh, reciting a mantra or making a prayer, so that the last 
contact your consciousness have is with some sattvic energy.